Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the Gospel of Luke. As they traveled, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at Jesus' feet and listened to his words. Martha, who was busy with all the details of hospitality, came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, don't you care that my sister has left me all alone to do all the household tasks? Tell her to help me. Jesus replied, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and upset about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really? Only one. Mary has chosen the better part, and she won't be deprived of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jenya. Maybe seat him. Friends, let's uh, pray together. God, for this space, for this journey that we walk on and call life, for your presence that sits here with us, teach us to show up. Teach us to calm the anxious storm that is always brewing and trying to be brewed. Teach us to sit, to be present to your presence, to see you to feel you, to know you as Yahweh, the one who is with us in, in the midst of this place and this soul. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. The passage today starts with, as, as they traveled. We've been looking at this journey in which Jesus is taking. In Luke 9, he turned his face towards Jerusalem, and he begins to walk this path and travel. Real quick, as they traveled, where have you been? Where have you traveled? Just shout out some travel spots today. What was that? Leadville. Wyoming. Yes, Albuquerque. Ionia, South Dakota, Chicago, Waterworld, anyone really close by traveling, any other local places that have been good? Golden Gate State Park, wonderful. Man, you see? It's in the room. Like, we get this passage, this travel, this journey, this movement. Jesus is is not a stationary being that just moves and like sits in one place and kind of teaches and then, and then sits in another place and you show up to the lecture hall and listen to him as he teaches lecture after lecture. This is a God, this is a Jesus that is on the move and walking with these disciples, walking through life together and traveling on the road with them. And as he's traveling, he begins to teach. And so I think we need to understand the journey in which Jesus is on if we want to understand the context of any of these passages. In Luke 9, that Jesus is traveling, that he turned his face towards Jerusalem. He is literally turning his face towards trial, suffering, and his own death. He sees it. He tells his friends about it. And with courage and grace, he walks towards it. This is what is weighing on his shoulders. And he begins to teach. And the number one setting that Jesus teaches around and loves to teach about is a teaching around a table. Sitting and sharing food, being invited into strangers' homes, those he should be in and those he shouldn't. And sitting around a table and teaching the disciples, what does it mean to follow God in this world as we sit around these tables on our journey and in our life? 
And so with the, weight of the sh- with the weight of the world on his sh- shoulders, with a death and a suffering and a trial that lies in the head, he walks into the home of a woman named Martha. Now, maybe you've heard this passage before. Maybe this is your first time. But it, it is way too e- easy to pick on Martha and to pick on the Marthas that lie inside of our own soul, to just look at our busyness and our to-do list and just shame ourselves into saying, why are you always so busy? Don't you care about God? So before Martha gets busy and anxious and overwhelmed by it all, there's this line about her. Martha welcomes him into her home. She has a space in which she is claiming in this world, and she sees that the Lord of the universe, the Messiah, the one that she longs for and she knows is coming in this world, and she opens her home to him. She welcomes him. What does it look like to open our home to other people, to open our lives, to open our vulnerability to other people? And in in this passage, do we have the courage to do as Martha does and to open our home and our lives to the Lord of the universe that is on a journey and maybe even suffering? One of the key one of the key elements throughout the gospels, one of the key elements for a disciple is the act of hospitality. Isn't the act of putting everything out perfect and making everything look great, though that could be important in our gifting, but it's the act of being willing to always open ourselves for the other because we never know when the Lord of the universe may be walking through our own town, our own space, and are we opening ourselves? John Veneer, the founder of the La Arch community, if you've ever heard of La Arch communities, there are amazing places and spaces in this world. He writes this about the call to discipleship. Welcome, to welcome, is one of the signs of a community that is alive. To invite others to live with us is a sign that we are not afraid, that we have a treasure of truth and a peace to share. He also offers an important warning. A community that refuses to welcome, whether through fear, weariness, insecurity, a desire to cling to comfort, or just because it is fed up with visitors, is a dying spirituality. Is all souls a community, a space that is alive by its invitation and its welcome? We talk every Sunday about people coming to these doors of these places or to the doors of others' homes. And and what does it look like to open to to this church and this community like you're welcoming someone into your own home to eat and to share a meal together? What does it look like to welcome others into our own life? Maybe it's the start of a conversation, how we always start it. Hey, how are you? How's your summer been? Do we see these simple beginnings as maybe a welcome to like go a little bit deeper, to open up some spaces in our own life and our own soul, to be a little bit more vulnerable than we're comfortable, so, so that in welcoming others, we are welcoming maybe the grace of God into our very life. We are, we are engaging in aliveness. You know that you're hurting and dead and that spiritually dead when when we're unwilling to go to those conversations that bring us life. Welcome others into those places. Are we welcoming others in our conversations, in our communities, and are we welcoming God as we wake up in the morning? We put our feet on the ground. The demands of the world start surrounding us. What does it look like to just pause 
to maybe simply say a welcome prayer. God, I know that you're here. You're in this space. You're with us. I don't have all the answers to life, but I I welcome you to be with me and me to be with you. Martha welcomes him into her home. Second, Mary enters the scene. Mary, it says, who, is seat, who seated herself at Jesus' feet and listened to his words. Mary, who seated herself. She did the active movement of seating herself at Jesus' feet and listening to his words. The central message to this passage, I believe, is a call to the disciples, to all the disciples, to sit at the feet of Christ and to listen. The story last week and the story right before this one is the one of the Good Samaritan. We see the disciples are to go and do, go care for those who are wounded and broken. Go and bring justice to the streets and to the roads that are experiencing unjustice. Go and do and be my disciples. In this passage directly after it, the story of Martha and Mary is for the disciples to sit and to listen. In one, in one sense, we are called to go into this world and do. In other sense, we are called as disciples to sit and to listen. Mary sits in a place. She, she takes her own space, her own body, and she seats herself right next to Jesus. She sits in the place that is assumed by men to receive religious instruction. This is not her place, let's be clear. But she claims it. And says, I belong here. This realm was not accessible to many women during the day. But Mary is grounded in this space. Despite not being where society says she should be. The space and the authority she takes and also is given by Christ to her. But not only to Mary, it's also an invitation to Martha in this passage. That you are invited to sit in this space, with authority, and listen. And so she does it. It's a courageous act that I think is so easy to overlook. Sometimes sometimes the most courageous acts that our world have ever seen are simply those who sit in places where they weren't supposed to sit. We think of Rosa Parks. We think of people who sat at lunch tables when they were not allowed to sit there. We think of Gandhi and the revolution in which it meant just people sitting in spaces where the world had said, no, this space is not for you. They, with the dignity of God, with the dignity of being a child of God, said, you know what? I'm going to sit in this space in a nonviolent, non-anxious way and claim it because I deserve it. And so she sits next to Christ, to listen. What does it look like for us to sit, sometimes in courageous spaces, and to know that God has invited us to be there, and to sit and to listen? One of my um, favorite mystic um, authors and poets, African-American Howard Washington Truman, if you haven't read his stuff and you have any curiosity on like the inner dwelling of the soul and inner journey, you would love his work. He writes this about what does it look like to sit. One of the greatest spiritual acts that we can do in this world, one of the most courageous things that we can do as human to sit. He says how good it is to center down. This is what I believe Mary is doing. How good it is to center down, to sit quietly and see oneself pass by. 
The streets of our minds seize with endless traffic. Our spirits resound with clashing and noisy silences. While something deep within hungers and thirsts for the still moment and the resting lull. With full intensity we seek, ere thicket passes, a fresh sense of ordering our living. We seek a direction, a strong, sure purpose that will structure our confusion and bring meaning to our chaos. We look at ourselves in this waiting moment, the kinds of people that we are, and the questions persist. What are you doing? What are we doing with our lives? What are the motives of our ordered, our days? What are the end of our doing? Where are we trying to go? Where do we put the emphasis and where are our values focused? For what end do we make sacrifices? Where are my treasures and what do I love most in life? What do I hate most in life and what what am I true? Over and over and over and over the questions beat upon the waiting moment. As we listen, floating up through the jingling echoes of our turbulence, there is a sound of another kind, a deeper note which only the stillness of the heart makes clear. It moves directly to the core of our being. Our questions are answered, our spirits refreshed, and we move back into the traffic of our daily round with the peace of the eternal in our step. Oh, how good it is to center down. This passage is clearly asking you to take a moment in your life and center down. To sit. Full body, mind, soul, and heart with the fullness of the God that is present with you. To sit. As we sit, anxiety arises. As we sit, we feel, the uncomfortable, we feel uncomfortable in our body. As we sit, we wonder, are we wasting our life? Are we doing enough? And this passage reminds us, the prophet Mary reminds us again and again, just sit, just sit, just sit a little bit longer. And so she sits at the feet of Jesus, her gaze upon him, his upon her, courageously sits. Martha, on the other hand, is running around. It's getting chaotic. I mean, like a whole troop of people just showed up to the small home. It's taking over. I think she's trying to figure out how how do we put it all together. And now resentment is building of the sisters because this is what we just do in family. And she sees this one who is just sitting. And I think there's something in her that is so drawn to do what her sister is doing. But she's like, there's just too many things going on. I don't know what's going on. Besides, we have this one clear insight is there is anxiety. And it is filling her soul, heart, and is filling this space. And to this anxious heart, And to this this Martha that is running around trying to make everything perfect, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and upset by so many things. Jesus always sees the deeper story. I love that Jesus sees Martha. He's not blind to this person who is just running around and throwing out plates and cups and serving everyone. He takes the moment to look at her and with a non-anxious presence, with a calm and inviting words, he says, Martha, 
Martha. The question is, how do we hear these words of Jesus? What, what is their tone? Is he yelling at her? Is he shaming, guilting her? Or is he inviting her to come and to be saying, you're enough. I'm so thankful for everything that you've done for welcoming in this home, but I just want to be with you for a little bit. He speaks directly to her anxiety, and through her, we get the the lesson of speaking directly to our own anxiety. How might our anxiety teach us something about the tasks, the agendas, the causes, and the expectations we feel beheld and imprisoned to? Think of your own anxiety, maybe that you have right now in your body here. What is its source? Are these tasks life-giving or wearing us down to a point of exhaustion and even conflict, to a hate of another? When we read through the lens of conflict, this story gives us an opportunity to expand our compassion towards self and others and thus receive more fully the presence of Christ in our midst. When we sit, my friends, our task-distracted mind often looks, looked with hostility on our stationary body. When we sit, our mind starts to kind of yell at our body and starts to shame it and just say, you're not doing enough. You need to move. You need to do something out there in the world. You need to be creating more. You need to be pursuing more. You see, in us there is a deep division of we long to be present with one another, to be present with God, to be present with ourselves. That's part of who we are. And we also feel the need to get more done. We are a house divided and soon found anxious, exhausted, and detached. I would, if it wouldn't put too much on you, do, but I'm not going to, have a raise of hands of those who feel that inner anxiety. Oh, okay, we got some in the back. Amen? <laughs> we feel that in us. Man, our Instagram may look like we're the most peaceful person in this world, but we know deep down inside that in us, in the course, at times, the storm is brewing. Not all the time, but there are times. This anxiety, we should not be shamed, but this anxiety is a threat to our discipleship. It is an inner conflict that creates a sense of separateness from the, from the disciples to your call to ministry, to life with others. It creates this separateness from the promise of understanding the promise that God understands you and will provide. To feel this anxiety is is to say, I do not believe that God will provide. To feel this anxiety is, is to be filled with, I need to create my own life and my own meaning, and I need to create my out of my own scarcity something that will fulfill. And as we see with Martha, anxiety can even sabotage our best efforts to be present to Christ in our midst. And so we're called to sit to be, to let the gaze of the beloved be cast upon us. To say that you are provided for. You are enough. You are my beloved. Listen. Some of us, the idea of sitting is so painful because we think, okay, here we go. Well, this is like, we're just going to sit and stare at our own belly button and just kind of focus on ourselves. 
The practice of presence is not just for us and our well-being. It is vital in the work of peace and reconciliation in this world. It requires just as much, if not more, attention to the places of tension and division in our own inner life as it does to the fractures of our world. This passage invites us to choose to be held to the steadfast presence of a loving God who is our guest and our host, who assures us that the decision to settle down and to center down is always available to us. It might just be what we ultimately need to actually bear any fruit of reconciliation and peace in our world. And so we feel this rhythm this call to the ancient rhythms of sitting and silence, this call to a movement out into our world and engaging with others, and then back in to explore the palace of our own soul, and then back out into the world to see God in the face of others. It is this journey in this rhythm in which we are to move back and forth through. Martha is being encouraged to abandon a role that has held her captive to the, to the needs of others. Where are you being held captive? To the needs of others? To the opinions of others? To the approval of others? Martha is being encouraged to abandon this role. She is being challenged to leave behind the stance which says, if I don't do it, no one else will. She doesn't have to play mother at this moment. As long as she does, some people are not likely to grow up, and she will be likely to carry a resentful sense of fulfillment. Not until she abandons this role, that role will the community be challenged to take seriously the caring of belonging to all and is not to be shunned off into a particular person, usually one particular gender. What she needs to do is let go of her role at this moment that Jesus invited her to care for the needs of all others. She has a gift. She can see the needs. She can see when a cup needs to be replaced, when a plate needs to be fulfilled. She sees the need, and she's, God is inviting her just to let go of it for a moment. Not just for her own sake, but for others in the room. They may open up to the needs in the room and the needs of others. Sometimes when we long to just serve people, we forget we're doing it for ourselves. And God asks us sometimes to just let go of these things that hold on, we hold on to, that define who we are, so that it creates space for others to fulfill it. And so, the anxiety whelms up, and it's not a bad thing. But Christ says, pay attention to the places of anxiety. Pay attention to the relational conflict that you have in your life. My friends, conflict is not bad. Jesus did not say, go and avoid all conflict in the world, and you will know peace. Conflict rises in our life. Anxiety rises in our life. And when we see it, when we feel it in our bodies, we become curious. Where is this coming from? What am I believing about myself? What am I not believing about the goodness of God? Where is this all coming from? When resentment rises, when we're looking at those we love and we're like, I, I just wish they would do more. Can we stop and sit and realize what is it in us that is building this? 
In the midst of our conflict, Christ has has something to reveal to us and is always inviting us into a deeper and more pleasant, present place. Mary has chosen the good part, the passage says, and she won't be deprived of it. I want to leave with this last idea. Jesus is on a journey towards what he knows is death, trial, and suffering. I believe he's carrying it with him as he enters this room. I believe actually maybe Mary sees it. Have you ever sat bedside beside someone who is in the midst of death, suffering, or trial? She sees the weight that he walks in. She sees the God that is wounded in our midst. And she brings herself directly to him. She sits right next with her woundedness to the woundedness of Christ. There is this healing, this co-relationship, this co-caring. In our life, there are others, there is a God that suffers and that shows up and just says, I don't need you to do anything with me. Just sit and be with me. Let's sit and hold our wounds, our anxieties together. This is the good part. So may we choose the good part and never be depraved of the divine presence that sits with us.